Father, I just thank you for Paul, who's such a, such a great guy, who loves you deeply, has got such a clear insight into the way that you speak through Scripture, such a deep experience of you in his life. And I pray that that and the words that he speaks this morning will really meet uh, us here, that we'll hear your word afresh, get fresh insights, and more importantly, Lord, that our growth and our relationship with you will become closer and clearer through the words that Paul speaks. Be with him now. Amen. Hello, folks. Thank you very much. So um, this is the second of a series we're doing over the summer where uh, various people in the church have been given an opportunity to either um, share their uh, favorite character in the Bible other than Jesus, and also potentially a book that they have really uh, wanted to share on. So two weeks ago, we had Josh and Dot. Josh shared from Proverbs, uh, shared about the uh, couple of verses that deal with the heart, and uh, then Dot talked about Moses. And uh, so when I was going through and thinking about this, the, the, it was really one, one person that really just jumped to mind, and that's David. Um, there is so much about David that I'm not going to be able to even get anywhere close to covering all of the key things. And I'm sure there are going to be some things that you really have some insight about David that I'm going to miss. Because apart from Jesus, David is the second most mentioned person in the Bible. I think it's something like 1,100 times. So there's a lot of stuff in the Bible about David. Um, one of the things that I was thinking about, wh what was it? What are some of the things that really appealed to me about David? Um, and I remember, and I still have a picture of a Bible that I had when I was growing up. Uh, it's a long gone now. And the various pictures in the Bible, and I still remember certain pictures like um, the fight between David and Goliath and a couple of other scriptures as well, where David had such an impact in the particular areas that he was involved with. And I know Josh mentioned two weeks ago about God looks at your heart. And I want to sort of link that also with David because David is linked very much to the idea of the heart. And I want to start off with Acts chapter 13, 22. And you might be thinking, well, how's that got to do with David? But actually, this is really, this is where I want to start off with. It says in Acts chapter 13, verse 22, after removing Saul, he made David their king. Now, just to give you some back idea, Saul was the king that the people chose, not God. So Saul was the people's choice, not God's choice. And it was very clear that Saul was, on the outward appearance, much, much more appealing. And... Uh, but David was not someone that you would look at and you go, oh, yeah, that's amazing. So after removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Now, this is something 
that's intriguing to see that this is actually something that God had before David didn't before David did anything before he fought Goliath before he did all the psalms and everything else that this was something God spoke about David this is a man after my own heart and I think the thing is is that when we look at the journey of David there are so many things that you just you can just pick out and I want to sort of cover some things and I also want to link to the fact that um, there's quite a lot of psalms that were written by David. Uh, of course, there's the story of David and Goliath. And I'm sure there's loads of things. And one of the questions that I'm going to get you to um, discuss is, what are some of the things that you've picked out in the past about that story of David and Goliath? For me, it's something where the fear that is brought to bear against people who are following God. There are a number of times, and I think it's something that's starting to uh, really, um, really combat this element of fear. We've had the COVID, we've had other things, but there's the sense of fear. But David stands firm in the midst of overwhelmingly being faced with a giant and stands, actually, my God is greater. My God is much, much more powerful. And I think that's important for us to realize is that David actually wasn't part of the army that was sent there. What was actually interesting is that David, the youngest son of all these uh, children that Jesse had, was that he was sent by the dad to almost basically give the local sort of lunch to his brothers. And it's interesting that when he gets there, he's almost like this sense of, well, what, what's going on? Why aren't we standing up? God's on our side. And it's interesting that one of his older brothers gets a little bit angry at him and says, well, you little conceited little so-and-so, what do you think about? But actually, it's in the heart of David that he realizes something, that God is greater. God is much more powerful. One of the things that I was just struck about David is not only throughout all of the time that there's this sense of worshiping God. And if you look at any of the Psalms, there's worship or psalms written by David there's an element of worship to God but the thing that struck me as I was thinking about this is that David did not have the Holy Spirit in him we know that the first people who received the Holy Spirit in them occurred with the with the apostles and the disciples that means that David lived his life without any influence of the Holy Spirit on his life whatsoever. Now, you, you can go in and talk about the whole thing about the fact that in the Old Testament, God did not necessarily speak to every single one. We, as a current generation in the New Testament, have the ability to go to God on an individual basis, position ourselves in the right way, and hear from God because of the Holy Spirit resides in us. The Holy Spirit is there to help us, to guide us to Jesus, help us to God. What's so intriguing about David is David did not have that. 
And yet, there's a heart issue with David towards God, even though he cannot feel the presence of God. He cannot sense the presence of God. He cannot hear from God. And that's why you, we read so many of these Psalms where it's like, God, can you answer me? There's that desperation, that hope. Now, for us, we can spend time with God. Not only can we hear from God, but we've got other people who can impart prophetic words of encouragement. And I'm sure you have been in the receiving end of prophetic encouragement. But David didn't have that in the sense that there's no Holy Spirit that was resist, re resting on him. And yet, even beside that, his heart was to praise God and worship God. The other thing that just struck me about David was even though he was anointed by Samuel to be king, he did not take it into his own and usurp what Saul was doing. I still find this, this idea of what happened with David when the, the story goes was that um, Saul got upset with the fact that a lot of people recognized David as being gifted and people adorate, adoring David, not Saul, and then basically David running for his life. And there's this story where Saul goes into a cave and David is almost there, ready to take Saul's life. But he says, no, I'm not going to do that. And I think that's intriguing is that I've always felt how much of our own lives do we try and encourage God to do something? I've had many situations in my life where I've got, I think God needs a little bit of helping hand because the thing that I'm desiring to happen is not happening enough. I've had a lot of prophetic words of over my life, and it's almost like, well, I want them to happen now, but God's got a bigger, much more bigger process of how things happen. David realizes that he's got an opportunity, but says, actually, no. This is not going to happen. This is not the case. If we turn to Psalm 57, this is just one of many verse, many psalms that um, just cry out. In Psalm 57, in you I take refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. I will cry out to God, most high to God, who vindicates me. He sends from heavens and saves me, rebuking those who hotly pursue me. God sends forth his love and faithfulness. I am in the midst of lions. I am forced to dwell among ravenous beasts, men whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. And this is what I love about David, because when you look at the Psalms, a lot of Psalms have this, whoa, I'm being overrun, I'm being attacked. But at the end, Psalm after Psalm, the end of the, the, the Psalm deals like this. But be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be above all the earth. My heart, O God, is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make music. The thing that I love about David is that even though 
There are things that have been hunting him down, accusations, things. Woe are all the circumstances that I am currently in, but yet my heart will praise God. It's just psalm after psalm of where you look at things where God is rescuing David. And that's the thing that's important to realize is that God is going to help us in all cases. Psalm 142, I cry out aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out before him my complaint. Before him, I tell my trouble. When my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who watch over my way. I cry to you, Lord. You are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Psalm 18, which um, the little title says, sung by David when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all the enemies. So this is after he's been delivered by the hand. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. He had the opportunity to usurp Saul, and he said no. Even though some of these uh, colleagues were saying, well, this is your opportunity. This is your opportunity. You need to take this opportunity that's been given to you. But David says, no, no, no. I'm not going to do that. The Lord is my rock, my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. My shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Now, with all the stuff that we see about David's life, is David perfect? No. And one of the things that I have always sort of marveled and sort of been intrigued about is that when you look at a lot of stories in the Old Testament, that when someone makes a mistake, there are dire consequences either for them, their families, or for other people. When you look at Moses, uh, Moses in that moment when he sort of had that moment of doubt was not allowed to go into the promised land. When you look at um, uh, some of the prophets as well. But David had, and I'm not gonna, I haven't got time to go into the whole thing about sort of what happened. David made a mistake. And as a result of making that mistake, the prophet Nathan came and basically called him out. But it's interesting is that what was the response What's the response? Let's have a look at Psalm 51. Psalm 51. Psalm 51, the title says, A Psalm When Nathan Came to David. So David's committed a moral sin on a number of levels. Uh, try to hide it a little bit, and Nathan the prophet comes and basically calls him out. What's David's response? Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. One of the interesting things is, is that idea of cleanse me from my sins. In the Old Testament, 
it's very different to what's in the New Testament. In the New Testament, we can simply go to God and accept what Jesus did on the cross as a way of cleansing us from the sins. It's just all about embracing what Jesus did on the cross and believe that. In the Old Testament, it's not that the case. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Create in me a pure heart. If we go back to Acts 13, God says, actually, David has got a heart after me. And there are going to be times that we're going to basically wander off. And actually, at this point in time, David's wandered off. He's gone off the rails a bit. But create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. It's this sense that as we suffer, as we make mistakes, how do we respond to God? And what's interesting is that on one level, there are consequences that go as a result, and I haven't got time to go in, but there are consequences of what David did that lasted on a couple of generations. But it wasn't a case that David was not simply banished from God and that God simply just ignored him. There's this sense that in that process of a repented heart, there's that connection that comes back. If you could, uh, there's just one last thing that I want to go through, and that's Psalm 103. So if you turn to heart, Psalm 103, there are loads and loads of Psalms that I want to talk about, but Psalm 103, before I go through Psalm 103, there, one of the questions that I'm going to get you to discuss is from Psalm 23. It would be one of those Psalms that I think everyone is quickly drawn to when they start walking with God, Psalm 23. It's such an amazingly deep Psalm that there's loads and loads of revelation that you can just gleam and just have God revealed to you. Whether or not you're at the stage of your walk where you are resting by the stream and being renewed, or if you're someone walking through the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, or if you're at that table in the midst of your enemies, there is so much that you can glean through that. But for me, I've, 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 I've loved those Psalms and the, the various Psalms, but for me, some of the Psalms that really stand out are the Psalms where David just has that heart of worship. As far back as I can remember, I've always wanted to worship God. And yes, it's hard at times. I'm not going to say it's always rosy. I'm not going to say every single time feels like we want to jump up and dance at every moment. There are times where it's going to feel hard. But as I've said, David has that opportunity in his Psalms time and time again where he goes through and he talks about the struggles he's got. But at the end of the Psalm, he says, yet I will lift up and I will praise God. 
Psalm 103, praise the Lord my soul, all my innermost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord my soul and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, a crown of love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all of the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abiding in love. That idea of slow to anger, abiding in love. Now, one of the problems I found, um, and I still come across people who read the Old Testament as if it's this two gods, the God of the Old Testament is this big, bad, sort of one step out of line, that's it, you're wiped off the face of the earth. And then suddenly God has a personality change, and in the New Testament, he's nice and all loving. Now, that's not the case. It's actually the same God, but it's hard to read through all the stuff that we read in the Old Testament to understand that he is slow to anger compassionate in love. If we can read the Old Testament through those eyes, those lenses of slow to anger, compassionate in love, we start to see that God doesn't wipe the Israelites off within the first couple of chapters of Exodus. He is able to give out more and more and more. Lord is sorry, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abiding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. I have no idea, but I'm probably going to assume David had no idea what Jesus was going to come and do. And we know from the New Testament, what Jesus did came, and even though we deserve death, he took on that penalty and paid that price so that we could be forgiven, set free because of what he did. And David foreshadows that right here, I don't know, five, six hundred years beforehand. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. This is in the Old Testament before Jesus. Verse 13, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. There's not much mention about God as father in the Old Testament. That was a revelation that when Jesus came, mentions loads and loads of times about this idea that God is our father. This is probably the closest that we have in the Old Testament, the linking of what Jesus was going to talk about and reveal that revelation of God as father and what that means to us. 
For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone. And its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him. And his righteousness with their children's children and those who keep his covenant. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. And this is, again, typical of how David ends his psalms. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works, everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, all my soul. Psalm after psalm, it's a heart of adoration and praise in every circumstance. We are going to find there are going to be difficulty moments in our life. We've got to then do something in response to that. We have a choice of how we respond when we have those moments. We can respond by going in situations where we start swirling downwards and allowing thoughts and thoughts, sometimes from the enemy, to overwhelm us. Or we can have that sense of standing, looking to God, like David has done so many times in the Psalms, and yet I will praise him. I will praise him. That's why I, I personally have always loved worship times. It's one of the first things. The very first, um, I grew up a Catholic, but I really didn't get saved until I came into a Catholic charismatic group. And the thing that I loved about that was that we would just spend time praising God, worshiping God. And it was just so amazing. In every church I've ever been in, I've just loved that opportunity to spend time looking at God, focusing on God, worship Him, exalt Him. And yes, there are times where I don't feel like it. There are times where I'm going through difficult times very tough times. But the point of what it is, if I make a step, even in my heart, to look to God, God's going to go a long, long way to meet me in that difficult opportunity. And He will do something amazing, as He's shown time and time again. Okay, uh, now we are going to get into groups. There are three questions. Um, I'm not sure if we're going to have time for all three questions to discuss, because I'm sure there are going to be things. So let's have a look at the questions. So number one, uh, you're probably all familiar with Psalm 23, but what parts of Psalm 23 have struck you the most? There are going to be parts that are going to jump out, and there are always going to be things that you visually remember, hold on to. But what parts have you found that have really spoken to you in your walk? Um, share a time when you were faced with the Goliath of a problem. And I'm not talking about when you faced a three, um, eight, nine-foot giant, because I don't think that's very often. But when did you face a situation in your life where you, in the natural, it just looks like there's no way that I'm going to break through. But 
in that midst, God gives you the things, God gives you the strength, God gives you the tools. And they might look like, like David had with those little rocks and stones, something that this is not going to defeat this massive problem. But actually, because God's given you those things specific to the situation, you end up getting breakthrough. And the final question is, what parts of David's life, his character, his journey have specifically inspired you and your walk with God? The reason I want to do is I want to get people sharing about what sort of things have inspired you about David's life, David's character, because there are going to be things that you have really been touched as you have walked your life with God that is greatly going to encourage everyone in the group.